Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History Epic and Hemingway. I'm back with Claudine, and today we're talking about a very sad historical event. It's the Valdive and just... And Claudine's going to tell us a little bit more about that, but you might not know much about this already, but get ready for kind of a sad episode, but also very fascinating. Yeah, this one is, um, this one is, it's even kind of hard to even for me to talk about. It is really very sad, but it is one of those things that we need to recognize because of the, the people that were affected by it. And also we need to remember things that happened in history, the good and the bad. Um, and so we hopefully don't repeat these things again. And I'm, and sadly, I don't think humans um, do that. I don't think we realize that things happened in the past. I think we just keep going forward thinking that's never going to happen again. And before you know it, it does. Yeah, guys, we don't want history to repeat itself. We only want it to repeat itself on the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this was something that happened on July 16th and 17th, 1942. It's one of the darkest moments of occupied Paris, and it started really early in the morning. One month before that, on June 16th, uh, Frenchman and Secretary General of the Vichy government, René uh, Bousquet, agreed with the Nazi officials that he would round up 40,000 Jews from occupied Paris. This was just a small slice of the 110,000 the specific number that the Nazis wanted out of Western Europe. This was called the Swan Wind, and it would take part in Paris, Nancy, and the Marne. And it was the most successful part of that was the one that happened in Paris. Yikes. Yeah. On May 14th, 1941, 3,700 Jews were of mostly Eastern European background living in Paris were gathered. Over 6,600 Jews were sent um, a green ticket summons to their home and told to gather at one of these numerous meeting places. They were allowed to bring one person with them. Um, many believed it was just some normal examination that they had to comply with. You know, at this point, they're already having to wear the yellow star if they were a Jew. Um, upon arrival, they were immediately sent off to buses to the uh, Gerd d'Austerlitz and deported, eventually arriving in Auschwitz and their death that's crazy because i always say that station wrong i'm like auschwitz and it's yeah uh, yeah going to auschwitz yeah. yeah well that's where it went to um 14 months later it was time to do it again more people were aware of their tactics but also thought parisian jews would be spared because all the times before that they were just looking for the year eastern european the actual parisian jews were pretty much left out of this hmm. um and when you think that this is 1942, you know, this is two years into the war. Yeah. Um, at 4 a.m., a mass roundup of these Jewish families began. It was led by French soldiers under the order of Vichy officials. And that is also one of the worst parts of this. On July 16th, the ticket holders arrived at their meeting points. A few family heard rumors in advance, a few lucky few, and were able to flee. But 13,152 family members weren't so lucky. That's so sad. 
4,992 men and women without children were immediately taken to the train station and taken to Drancy to await for deportation. Drancy um, is outside of Paris, and it was basically kind of a, a stopping holding ground where they would ship them to. There was quite a few different locations in France, uh, but Drancy was one of the big ones that they used uh, when they were taking people from Paris. As the buses arrived at this velodrome, um, which I'll post a picture up of it on my website. It is the only photo known of that day. Um, and the number was quite staggering. 8,160 people were there. Wow. Here's the even worse part. Of that, 4,115 of them were children. Oh my goodness, it's heartbreaking. Half of them were children. 2,916 women and 1,129 men. The wow. conditions were horrible. The Germans painted this massive glass ceiling black. The windows were nailed shut and there was only five restrooms in use. Again, remember this is in July and it was a really warm day. Um, it had been a really warm stretch, um, unlike our July right now, um, but it had been a very warm stretch. There wasn't any food or water, and it was hot, muggy a summer, and it's the smell was horrible. Um, to make matters worse, as soon as they were arrived, they were separated, leaving all the children alone with each other. That is just horrific. For five days, it was as bad as it could get until they began to send um, them to Drancy and the other camps that led the trains to Auschwitz. The women and men went first on August 5th, and then the children went over the next two to three weeks. Um, the children were as young as four years old without their parents. Oh, gosh, I can't even imagine. It can't, it can't even imagine that, you know, here, that, you know, four years old. Um, I even saw a few names uh, on a plaque that said two years old. I mean, I just can't even imagine. And they're there for days. Mm. I mean, you've got older kids that were probably helping take care of them. It's just horrible. Um, so this velodrome itself, it is very, very close to uh, the Eiffel Tower. It's just within a few blocks of the Eiffel Tower, just um, just west of it. Um, it was built in 1909 by a gentleman named Henri Des. Garnier. He was editor of La um newspaper, and he was a creator of the Tour de France. Hmm. So he had wanted to figure out a way to um, promote his his uh, his journal, his newspaper, and decided to create a bike race. That is no, now no idea where it came from. That's interesting. It's 110th year, I think it was, because there was a few years they didn't do it with wars and everything. Um, but when the arena was built, it held 17,000 spectators. There was weekly cycling races, concerts, roller skating. Um, there was even boxing matches that Hemingway would attend, and he would even take his little friend Sylvia Beach. Mm -hmm. um, the Germans arrived. They demanded the keys to this building. Um, the a fire destroyed it in 1959, and uh, today there is a garden there for the with the memorial to those that were lost. Um, the Jardin uh, Memorial des Enfants de Valdive was created in 2017 and inaugurated on the 75th anniversary of the tragic event. Um, this this garden is basically right at the entrance of the velodrome, and so I will put these pictures up on my website, and you can see that only one photo that's in existence of that day. Um, you see people standing at the door, and now you know when you go there, you know hopefully you go there. If you go to the Eiffel Tower, just take the little walk, just to go and remember this. And when you walk in there, it's very um, 
it's a very difficult feeling knowing that you're walking in the same door, you know, basically the same entrance that they did. Um, There's a huge marble wall engraved with the 4,115 names of the children. And under the trees are photos um, that they just added in the last couple of years of many of the families and children that uh, died the on the ground, there's a bunch of little white rocks. And then there's other rocks in the garden that are reminiscent of the pebbles that are left on Jewish tombs. Um, They say that they leave those to hold them down others. So they don't float up, um, you know, to the heavens. Um, It's very difficult to see, but I think it's really important to see because I think we need to remember that. And I think it's the least that we could do to go look at all of these names of these people, these children and these families that, you know, never lived another day after what basically was because of hatred. Yeah. I mean, it's just horrific what happened to them for no good reason. It's yeah, it's really gross. Some of the, some of the plaques, I, I did the live video, um, my live Sunday video from here a couple weeks ago, and I was trying to read what one of them said, and I had to stop because I was starting to get really choked up and I didn't want to just start crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I picked a couple of them just to share some of them. There was uh, Paulette Zajac. She was born the 11th of July, 1937. She lived at 62 uh, Rue des Casquets in the 20th. Um, and she was deported on the 17th of August, and she was just five years old. Oh, my God. Uh, Rusha Goat was born the 14th of September, 1931, um, and lived in off the on the Rue de Belleville on the 19th. Her parents, um, Cheskiel and Malka, were deported on Caravan 4 and 14. Again, they separate the women, separate the men, because most women were going to different places. Um, Brushka was deported. At t- she was just 10 years old on the 21st of August in Caravan 19. Uh, Renee Goldman Luan, um, who lived on the Rue Aubreville in the 19th, her mother was deported um, first on convoy 16, and she was deported later um, in caravan 22, like, you know, two weeks later. So they don't even know, you know, there's no big goodbyes. There's no, you know, they're just basically as soon as they walk in this door on, you know, those July days, they're just ripped from their family. Yeah. Um Grosbar family lived on Rue de Charon on the 11th. Um, the father, Ila, went on Convoy 1. Their mother, Pessa, went on Convoy 16. The other kids, uh, the other kids um, went on Convoy 5 and 15. And then um, the youngest, Seema, was five years old. She went out um, weeks later on number 23. There was the Jabloka family of 10 10 children, 10, they had eight kids. The wow. three oldest kids all were deported separately and alone. And then the five younger ones, you know, thankfully, I guess if you want to say anything that was good that the five actually, you know, had each other yeah. for that period of time. Um, and then Helen and Charles uh, Holstein were seven and two and a half, two and a half years old. Wow. And they actually were deported with their mother um and it's just i mean these little pictures and there's pictures of them black and white i'll put some of them on my website so you could just i just think it's really important to just look at them even though it just rips your heart out and you just feel sick when you see it um but i just think that you know if all we could do is just give them a few minutes in your mind or passing your you know lips and your thoughts i think that's you know the least that we could do um when you go there near the farmer valdive on the which is just 
over, you walk down there, you walk about a block on your right on the edge of the Seine. There's a the Square de la Place de Matier, Juif de Velodon d'Hiver. And that is named, dedicated, um, was named by uh, the mayor, Jacques Chirac, in remembrance of those lost um, during, to the Nazis of World War II. There is a sculpture there, a very big one, and it was done by a gentleman named Walter Spitzer. Um, it's a memorial to the victims of the winter uh, velodrome. He was a Polish-born artist who, at 16 years old, was also deported in 1943 um, to the Bleszamar labor camp at Auschwitz. Um, he was released in 1945, and he immigrated to France and, and uh, enrolled in the Ecole des Beaux-Arts. He divided, devoted his entire life to creating art dedicated to the remembrance of those lost to World War II and the Nazis. Um, it's a really beautiful, um, it's kind of, it, lo it looks like a family sitting on, um, sitting on, you know, it's this big, huge concave because a velodrome, usually when they're riding their bikes around it, it's not like a flat surface. It slopes way up. Um, and so when they're going really fast in there, that's how they kind of it, it kind of helps with the momentum. And that is kind of uh, replicated in this monument. So mm -hmm. and you see like children, mothers and fathers. Um, it's really, really beautiful to go see. And I love the fact that he dedicated his entire life and all the art that he ever did. He dedicated to um, those people that died at the hands of the Nazis. And sadly, he died in 2021 of COVID. Uh, he lived a long time. He lived a very long time. Um, after after the war, um, you know, luckily uh, the very small amount, I think it was, I think it's, it's like, I've seen different numbers, but it's anywhere between 70 to 90,000 Jews were deported from France. Um, and it's a, it's a quite a small fraction of that actually survived and, and returned. Um, after it, at the end of it, uh, the Vichy official, Rene Busquet, who was the high ranking official that would basically ordered this on behalf of the Nazis, um, he ended up at the end of the war pledging his allegiance to the resistance to save his own life. In 1989, a crime against humanity was filed against him. But on June 8th, 1993, he was killed in the doorway of his home in the 16th by a man named Christian Didier, who wanted to avenge the deaths of so many Jews um, carried out at the hands of Basquiat. Oh, um, wow. and, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's horrible, but maybe sometimes things aren't so bad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Christian Didier, I mean, he was kind of everything I read about him was he wasn't really there in his right mind. Um, but he just decided he was going to go against, you know, he was just like, no, he needs to be taken out um, to because of what he did. You know, this whole thing, Jacques Chirac in 1995 at their ceremony was the first time since that since the 1940s that he acknowledged France's role in this horrible event because it was the French officers French police that actually went and were doing the ones rounding everybody up on behalf of the Vichy government so it was the French it was the French officers that did go to arrest these Jewish people on July 16 2017. Um, President Macron took an even more rigid stance saying it was indeed France that organized this and that it was 
was good that they finally recognized that, that they couldn't say that they were just without harm in any of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was, you know, it was also, of course, you know, Paris and France was occupied. You had the Vichy government, which was kind of basically in the hands of the Nazis in, in many ways. So, but the fact that they actually have now said that, no, this was, you know, France, the country itself, these people went and did this, um, leading to so many, so, so many uh, deaths and just entire families being, you know, killed. Yeah. Have you watched that new um, Netflix series about it? It's about all the um, Jewish people hiding out in the south of France and all the famous artists. And they were all trying to, you know, leave France. They were running away from all of that. It's it's a really good uh, show. Me and Giuseppe started watching it. I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, yeah, but- I know which one you're talking about. I haven't started, but I need to. The only time I really watch TV is when I'm going to bed. And it, I usually watch 20 minutes of something I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. No, it's something like that. I want really want to watch. It'll take me like a week to watch one episode, but I do really want to watch that one. There was also, you know, there's a bunch of, um, there's also was it the women at war. That's another French one that I think is on Netflix. Um, that's about a little bit of that, but you know, we did the women of the resistance, um, episode a couple years ago. And then I just recently went at the Musée de l'Armée. They had a, um, a newer part that I hadn't even gone into this. And I don't, I don't think it opened that long ago. Um, and it was under a renovation, but it's the Musée de l'Ordre de la Libération. Um, and I just recently went to that and it's um, all the people that got the different, you know, the medal um, by Charles de Gaulle afterwards. And we talked about that a little bit when we did the women of the resistance, because we, um, there was only, I think it was like six women that got it. And none of the women we talked about ever got it. And one of them was offered it later. And she was like, I don't want it. And then she only would say, okay, I'll take it on behalf of all the women. Um, but it was really well done. And the upstairs is all about like the deportation and they had like, and it was just so difficult to see. They had like actual, like the actual clothes that some of them wore, you know, with the, the, the gray stripes. And it's just, it it's so heartbreaking to see any of that stuff. But I just, like I said, I just think it's really important that we see that because um, it just was so, so horrible. And so many people died. And I just think that we need to remember them. Yeah, definitely. We can't just not talk about it. And I think this is a great way to bring attention to it again, because we don't want to forget. We don't want that to happen again. Um and the name of that show, if anybody wants to watch it, it's called Transatlantic. It's oh. on Netflix right now. And it's basically about these Americans that were helping all these um, French Jewish people get out of France and helping artists. And America would only take people with special skills. They wouldn't take everybody. It yeah. was like, and it's just really fascinating. It shows a little bit of that like sad history, but also the heroes who were helping. Yeah. Um, and- the U.S. really had to like um, at first they didn't want anybody and they really like had to be kind of f- forced into do, even taking anyone. Um, it, it's just, you know, I mean, you can't you know, it's easy to look back, you know, knowing everything we know now um, and to say what was definitely right and wrong. But uh, yeah, it's just I mean, but it still happens today. I mean, it's still happening with refugees all over, you know, France fights with Britain and everybody's fighting with each other about who's taking, you know, people from Ukraine and people from Syria. 
So it's, uh, you know, or even people coming across the border in the U.S. And it's kind of maybe we should just have a little bit of a think about our fellow man. Yeah, a little compassion would be nice. It's a complicated situation, but we're all human. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely check those things out and head on over to ClaudineHemingway.com to learn more and check out the photos and make sure you guys tune in next week. Thanks for listening today, guys. If you're interested in learning more about Claudine, her tours, history, and the beautiful photographs that she posts all over Instagram, tune into her website, claudinehemingway.com.